Combine! Let's go. This is Dynasty Theory, proud member of the DLF Family Podcast. I'm John Bauer. We're joined by Dan Lamagna. What's up, Dan? What's going on? Good evening there, gentlemen. I'm uh, excited. Combine time. We're starting to get some more answers to our puzzles. Numbers are coming in. JB's waiting for RB 40 times like it's Christmas and Santa's under the tree. Uh, ready to roll, man. I'm in, I'm in coach mode, though, tonight. I'm in coach mode. I'm ready to dissect why some of these guys aren't working out. Oh, man. Yeah, it was. I mean, we'll get into it. And of course, it's uh, it's like Christmas here. I love all of the additional data points that I can plug into my spreadsheets. Always in the sheets. Mitch, what's up? What's up? I love today. Today's fun. I actually finally got like my first two rounds of college players that I'm really happy with now, right? Like I could actually be like, okay, I have some confidence in these because we have a little bit of criteria behind it now. So I'm really happy for today. Yeah, today we're going to dig into some uh, surprising combine results, looking at the running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, get into the quarterbacks a little bit, how this impacted our value and rankings maybe throughout the rookie drafts that will be coming up here over the next two months or so. But then also the change in market value, because we are going to see that with every little extra data point that we get. And certainly the combine fits that bill. So we're going to talk about some of the guys that really stood out. Some guys that maybe just they they did what was expected and there's nothing wrong with that. But then we want to talk about some of the double counting and, and things like mm-hmm. that. So Dan, what stood out to you? You're You're the coach here. What stood out to you from this year's combine? What stood out to me? So, you know, this may not be new, but I still do get frustrated because we got some good 40 times. And then there's some 40 times are like kind of meddling a little bit. And you're kind of really, you're, you're wanting more information. And then I see they don't run a shuttle run or a receiver doesn't do a bench press. Like I need that information. And I know some of them are waiting for the pro days and maybe buying a little bit of time to get a little stronger, a little bit faster. But how hard are you working? That's what I want to know right now. How hard are you working today when you were in Indianapolis, you know, going into this weekend? You know, I give kudos to those guys that uh, put in the extra work, did the extra test, gave me information and put in good results. Those are the kind of guys I'll definitely move up a little bit in my ranks. And then, you know, there were certain positions, too, where we were looking at and we were trying to say, hey, is, you know, a Michael Mayer uh, first round dynasty pick or a second round dynasty pick? You know, I'm kind of, you know. I was a little underwhelmed a little bit. And we'll get into specifics, but some of this is breaking down and helping my rankings right now. And of course, you guys know I'm going to dig into my threshold discussions. Uh, I think Mitch brought his pillow for that conversation. But, you know, uh, I, I think it's great talking points then because you guys can sit there and say, JB, what is this witchcraft? What is this voodoo that you're you're throwing at us with these numbers and these these draft scores and percentiles and all this good stuff? Mitch, yep. the athletic freak, Anthony Richardson. No, I'm not mm-hmm. talking about Mitch Sorensen. Mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson, what were your thoughts? And then more importantly, how does it not only impact him as a dynasty prospect, but the bigger uh, point at hand, how does it impact the rookie picks themselves today? Oh, it's huge. We talked about this on the last show. We needed that one or two, 102 to the 103 in the 23 drafts to really gain value, and it happened. We knew Anthony Richardson was fast, so this isn't us. oh, hey, look, Anthony Richardson's really talented. We knew that, but he went out, put on a show, but now the dynasty public is going to buy into him, and that's what we wanted. That's what we need, and so having that, I'm more than happy. I put Anthony Richardson, is he's locked in as my 102 right now locked in unless there's a weird draft capital thing that happens for me he is the most safe quarterback for fantasy points this year and it's not not me saying like hey i think he's going to be amazing i just think that more dynasty players are going to be willing to buy into him than they're going to be willing to buy into the other quarterbacks now let me ask you did his value him specifically not as a rookie pick did anthony richardson impress you enough to make you not want to move the 102 or 103 at the premium you should be getting. So essentially, is your current value of Anthony Richardson higher than the market we should see on the rookie pick 102 or 103? 
Heavens no. I'm more than happy to move him. If I'm getting a premium on that price right now, he's gone and off my teams. But it's having to get that price. But I think we're going to be there the next week or two. We have a lot of startups that are starting up next week out of the Discord. And I think there's a couple more that still have openings. But I fully plan on seeing Anthony Richardson in the top half of the second round, if not earlier, to be honest with you. In startups, that is, obviously. In startups. Dan... Uh, let's shift a little bit. Bryce Young, he didn't throw. Is, is that an issue for you? He comes in, the weight looks good, but is there a correlation there, gaining the weight, putting on the weight versus not taking part in the on-field activities? Not at all. I've seen enough of Bryce Young throwing with you know a full-on rush and in, in, in a big environment. I needed to see the weight. I needed to see him come in at 204 today to show me he's hitting the weights. He's working out. He, he's taking care of what he needs to take care of. Um, he's a real good kid, man. And I just, I, I'd be more disappointed if there was something I expected from him that I didn't see this weekend. I think as far as throwing is concerned, when we've, I don't think there's any doubts of him as a thrower. I'd rather see him in the pro day. Let him go. And it makes sense to be in that controlled environment. When you're trying to hit, hit a guy in a post corner, I want it to be my wide receiver. That's going to have some good timing with me. And I'm going to really put on a clinic on that day. Whereas Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud, to me, I was more wanting to see them throw because I haven't seen enough. You know, there's not a big body of work on Anthony Richardson. So we got to see him sling it a little bit more. I think CJ Stroud's continuing to build some momentum off that nice Georgia game by throwing in this. I didn't really have any concerns about needing to see Bryce Young throw. I was more happy to see him at 204. Isn't it concerning that he needs to to save himself for that controlled environment? He's not bringing his wide receivers with him to the NFL. Put your big boy pants on and throw to the players that everybody else is throwing to. I mean, it'd be nice. I'd like that, but I just think he's clear lock and load. He is going to be the first quarterback taken in the National Football League draft, and I think he knows that. And I, I think he's just going to throw in his controlled environment. He's got Nick Saban's guidance. I, I think he's going to be fine. So I just personally, I'm a little less worried. Would have I loved to see it? Heck yeah, JB. But I, I get it. All right, John. And then I have did, a question for you. What are you doing with the big three quarterbacks? Wait, who was that too? The big you. Oh me. Oh yeah. So, yeah. What are you doing with them? Uh. So. <laughs> Cop out answer. No, no. Tear them together. They're all tiered no, together. No, no, because they shouldn't be teared together. Because I will tell John, I know you. There will never be a time in a draft to where Anthony when Anthony Richardson is on the board and Bryce Young is, and you have to make the pick, you're not taking Bryce Young. So I know that they can't be tiered together. Why not? Why wouldn't I take Bryce Young? Because you you're not the biggest fan of Bryce Young. I'm not, but I can court. still appreciate him as a talent. You can, but you wouldn't take him over Richardson. For me today, when you look at the athletic profile of Richardson and the ceiling, which is undoubtedly there, all right? Dan's ready to jump in here. And then you look at I Stroud, given the choice between all three, I'm taking Stroud, but that doesn't mean I'm adding to Richardson or young for Stroud because there is that market aspect. And I think a lot of people would have Stroud as their quarterback three today. If you, if you pulled it, I, I bet you more often than not, people would have Richardson based on what we saw Bryce young based on the sec prolific profile that he has his body of work. I think CJ Stroud is going to come in as the quarterback three. So why there's no reason for me to ever add in that situation. Okay. And as a result, I, I have them tiered together. But but I think this is tremendous for the 102, the 103, the 104. I, I, I think it, it is going to raise the value of those picks. And we're going to see a little bit more movement now, especially if teams are quarterback hungry, and I say teams, I mean your dynasty rosters. And Tim in the chat, I'm with you for the most part, avoiding drafting the big three quarterbacks at all costs. The reason I say that is be not not because I, I dislike Stroud and I, I I hate Young and I'm completely out on Richardson as a fantasy producer, but I think the market, I go back to the market again, I think it's going to be there to add a veteran quarterback 
plus or plus plus. So I would explore it. That's all I'm saying with, with in that regard. Yeah, I'm intrigued by Bryce Young and you know, we I think we saw all over social media today all the comps and comparisons and you know, Kyler Murray and Johnny Manziel, like they're the small quarterbacks they compare to him. What we I think the big separator, you know, hey, Johnny Manziel had everything in the world off the field going against them. It just wasn't going to work out. Kyler Murray, we've seen his lack of leadership. I don't care how many players went to bat for him, the body language, the poor body language, et cetera. But this kid's a high-character kid. I think he's going to put in the work to match that talent and buck those odds. And I wonder with, you know, John Meshi already there, if they draft another wide receiver to build around him, they got a coach that's going to build that defense. I just, I wonder if things start trending up in Houston where he's probably going to go and there's something special there. I'm just, I say that as I think he is my quarterback one right now. And then I'm kind of teetering between Stroud and Richardson and I'm a little bit more methodical and slower moving. Like I'm going to, I'm probably not going to be in a startup until after draft day. I just want to know where I want to know where the pieces fall and not have any regrets depending on where guys go. Now, Mitch, do you think the best opportunity, and this is this is kind of the narrative that's being pushed right now for Anthony Richardson, let him go to a team like Detroit, let him sit for a year with those weapons, <laughs> with, with the line, do you think from a fantasy standpoint, not you as a Lions fan, please take that out of this, do you think that's best case scenario for Anthony Richardson the Superflex Dynasty asset. I don't know if Mitch is emotionally ready for this, JB. I, I, I know, right? No, it's you put him on any team that has put him on the Vikings, right? Because they're probably going to be without Kirk Cousins here in a couple years. Um, I think the best chance for any quarterback is they need to see him on the field. I mean, what franchises are out there that's really going to allow him to sit and have the coach and the GM so set in stone right now that the that they're like, okay, we could push this off for another year because I think they're so secure. I don't think there's a lot of those jobs around. And what Anthony, Anthony Richardson needs to start because he needs to learn how to process the field. He's not going to learn that sitting on the bench. He's going to learn it. He has the ability to escape the pass rush, do what needs to be done on the field to learn on the job. He's not going to be Bryce Young to where Bryce Young goes in there with a bad offensive line. Then I worry about that. You put Anthony Richardson somewhere with a bad offensive line, he'll probably be like Justin Fields last year and be more than okay. And the example I always use is the Arizona Cardinals, right? Whenever they had Josh Rosen Mm -hmm. transition to Kyler Murray, you put a poor uh, offensive line and you pair it with a quarterback that's not exactly mobile, there's going to be a lot of problems and it's going to be, you're going to be exposed from the start, right? But with Anthony Richardson, he is going to be able to alleviate those problems. And even just like we saw with Justin Fields, a great call out there, Mitch, with Justin Fields, even when you don't necessarily have the weapons around you, it's not going to really matter from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, you might not win a lot of games, but from a fantasy perspective, you are going to stand out. And that's probably what we see from Anthony Richardson for uh, like for me personally. It's it's tricky. I, I say they're tiered together, right? A part of that is strictly because of the market value there. So when I'm talking about who would I take, gun to head, those three quarterbacks are on the board. I'm, I'm taking Stroud today. A lot, a lot of time left here. All right, so I'm taking C.J. Stroud. That hasn't changed. I am up in the air on Young and Richardson because it's the the – strong profile from from a fundamentally sound quarterback versus the athlete and Anthony Richardson. And I'm not saying Bryce Young can't navigate the pocket. I'm not saying he's, he's, you know, a liability back there, but we know that that is not necessarily his strength. So, and it's the same for CJ Stroud. It's not his strength. So I'd be a hypocrite to call it out for Bryce Young, but not CJ Stroud. But that's the issue that I have right now looking at these quarterbacks. It's the market versus where I value the specific player versus the the pick. And there is going to be a little bit of a difference there. All right. Anything else on the quarterbacks? I mean, there really isn't much to take away uh, from from what I've read. I was kind of dialed in all weekend. And it seems like in terms of interviews, they all went well. Uh, minus some of the verbiage that CJ Stroud used 
to describe oh, yeah. some of his role models. And again, like, could that all have been worded better? Sure. But I, I would think he just meant strictly from a fantasy or from a fantasy. He, yeah. He cares about fantasy producers from a football perspective. So um, where do you both have Will Levis though? So like we know the other three are going to go. You, you like how I completely forgot I know, about them. You skipped over him, but I'm not going to let you. So we know the other three, they're going to go in the first half of the first round in all of your rookie drafts. That's just going to happen if you're a super flex league. What are you guys looking to do with Will Levis? Let's just say he's a top 15 draft pick, whatever team you want him to go to. Is he middle of the first, end of the first? Is he more Daniel Jones where it's like the 112, 201? For me, very quickly, very end of the first, very beginning of the second. I kind of go a little bit higher on that pre-draft, assuming that he's going to go somewhere that's going to invest in this kid and he's going to look to make him their quarterback. It's just the, the need and premium of the quarterback position is so high. And looking at some guys that are on the board, I I think I'd want the quarterback first. I'm a little higher than you, JB. Uh, you'd have to be. to uh, 108 range, maybe. 108, 109. Yeah. I have him at 107 right now. The reason why I have him there is because I think Gibbs is an elite prospect. Um, JSN's probably going to be everyone's favorite wide receiver is going to be my guess. You have Bijan, but after that, there isn't like a really elite wide receiver. There's not a really elite running back. There's not a really elite tight end. So there's no one that like I really want to prop up up above him to where like I just know that's a set in stone. I know we say set in stone rookie quarterback. Look at Zach Wilson. But I think with Will Levis, you know, you get two years. It might be more than you get out of some of these wide receivers right now. And now we talked about this in the mock draft episode that we just did. Mm -hmm. And I believe that was that on the pivot point and in a situation pre NFL draft that I'm actually having to choose between some of these guys, Will Levis would get boosted strictly because there is a lot more risk from an NFL draft standpoint, where are these guys going to go? I don't want to get stuck with a fourth round running back instead of that top 15 pick in Will Levis. And I do believe Will Levis goes there. I just, uh, I'm very hesitant. All right. We, so see, it, it, we, we see that uh, happen all too often, John. I think to your point, you know, we think a guy's going to go in a certain range and he goes right. just later than late enough to kill our fantasy value. We all, when we all do it, we all have these expectations. And that's why in my spreadsheets, I have my pre-draft score. I have my post-draft scores hitting all the thresholds. But the post-draft score is based on uh, a preconceived notion of where these guys are going to go in the NFL draft. So if they slip outside of a top 100 pick and they slip into the 150 range, I have to adjust. And that is brand new information that the NFL is saying, hey, JB, we really should be paying attention to what you're saying, but we're going to change it up here. And I don't always appreciate that. Hendon Hooker either of you willing to take him earlier than very end of the second, early third Two twelve. That's where I have him Two twelve. All right. Dan, is that a fair range? And again, it's, we don't have to get into too in depth here with hooker. Right. It's fair based on the premium of the quarterbacks. Although I'd have a more third round. It's a, a little rich for me, Mitch. I think I have enough right. prospects. I'd rather roll the dice on. I just think there's a chance he goes really early second. And what if it's a team to like Atlanta or, Tennessee you know something like that to where they might not love their starter maybe there's enough hype you could move him for a mid-second in the future or something like that but no I completely get anyone that has him in the third round that's fair too all right I'm going to skip around here wide receivers and Dan I'm really interested for your take on the wide receivers because you were a wide receiver uh Jordan Addison he didn't really pop out right but is there enough there uh, enough of downside that we saw here from the combine that it's a red flag for you. I wouldn't necessarily call it a red flag, but it was enough of a, if you want to call it a downer to, to give the separation I was looking for and where I'm going to draft these guys. So, you know, if we have JSN, uh, Quentin Johnson, Addison flowers in this cluster to me, it, it, it split today. Um, or this, you know, over this, this combine, uh, just really JSN's three, nine, three shuttle run. I know. Oh my <laughs> Lord, guys. Like that is just sick. That is off the charts, like quickness. Um, so that time was, out. what do you uh, remember what your shuttle time was? But in here, this is where I love about wide receivers and that 
my 40 times struggled because I ran tight, but I took such pride in my shuttle run times that were like 408, 409. And like, I, I was just, I was shifty. I was quick. I never even sniffed 393. I can't even imagine 393. Like, I, like that's beyond a perfect technique run. Like that is just blazing. So I, I'm absolutely impressed with uh, that shuttle run time on top of just watching this film. Like it just makes sense now, you know? And, and I think, you know, maybe it lost a little luster because of that injury and, but holy cow, when you watch his film and you see how he gets open inside and then you see that shuttle run, it just, it just makes sense. And then you see some people we respect in the industry that really loved watching them in person. So it's really adding up for him. And then Quentin Johnson, I just, I, I, I like, I don't think we got times off off of him, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, I think he might have ran a little bit. But re- re- Really quick, uh, Dan and Mitch, for your reference, if you're in the sheet and any of our patrons, uh, the 40 times column EF for wide receivers, they're highlighted in gray if they did not run. It's a placeholder time. And, uh, you know, of course, it could go up and down. And we saw that from what I had in there previously compared to what they these guys actually ran. So just for context, you see a time in there. It's just a placeholder kind of get a gauge on some of the other numbers like cut adjusted speed score. Quentin Johnson, I I can't wait for his pro day because I just assume that's what he's waiting for. And I I hope he doesn't like run like a stinker of a 40 time. But if it's decent, like he just looks like a beast. Like I'm really just really intrigued and excited about his his ceiling and his upside. So to your question, Addison, though, it's just enough to separate him from those guys, I think. And. You know, I'm kind of have him and Zay Flowers in a, in a cluster there that I'm still sorting out. Mitch, we look at the top four, five, six receivers. How does it play out for you right now in rookie drafts? Oh, right now. So I had to move Zay Flowers up. Like we knew he was going to be fast, but a lot of it is I didn't love Addison, you know, his measurables. I didn't like him a ton. So Jason for me is the wide receiver one now. You know, Quentin Johnston, it's, I really worry when guys don't run their 40 at the combine and they go run it at their fast tracks for their pro days. I mean, so here's just an example. So this is from Zybexports.com, right? It's a little bit of an older article, but it kind of just tells you what could happen at a pro day compared to a combine. Uh, Michael Thomas ran a 4.57 at the combine, 4.4 when he went back to Ohio State. Joey Bosa, 4.87, ran a 4.70. Braxton Miller run a 4-5-1, run a 4-3-3 at his pro day. So I, I just don't trust pro day numbers at all. I understand if someone's injured and they can't run it at the combine, by all means, then we should use that combine, that pro day time because that's what we have. But when I see Johnston not willing to run the 40, like he's already, he's not a complete possession wide receiver, but he's enough of one that I'm going to worry about it. And right now, like, I have him in a tier with Addison and Flowers. I don't think it's actually going to stay there by the end of the day. And then, dude, I love Jalen Hyatt. I think Jalen Hyatt is going to go probably early second to a great spot. Then after that, it's you know it's just whoever you like. Cedric Tillman's really good. Marvin Mims. I really put Jonathan Mingo in there at the end of the second round just because he has that speed that I think a team could fall in love. And what if you get a second round draft capital on him and in startups here for the next two months, you might be able to get him in the 12th or 13th round, maybe. And he bench pressed 22 times, Mitch. So he's, he's got the speed and the strength to play wide receiver in the national football league. Yeah. And I want to point out here when we were talking in the discord throughout the last couple of days with combine information and like Josh down specifically, he comes in at five foot nine and it's not necessarily, you know, listed at 5'10", comes in at 5'9". Oh, my God. He's an inch shorter. He is now going to bust because <laughs> he's not 5'10". He's 5'9". Right. But for me, when I have all, all the numbers, and especially the height-adjusted speed score, sometimes that, that one inch could could make a difference between which which tier you are for these different thresholds. So for me... I don't want to say any of these guys were big losers as a result of the combine, but JSN stood out as a a positive. Obviously Jordan Addison. I I was hoping for a little bit better. Am I glitching at all? Just for a second, but you're good. Keep going. All right. Jordan Addison. uh, Obviously. Yeah. I'm, I'm glitching here. I can tell. I don't know what the heck is going on. Not happy, but, uh, you know, so for me, it's it's JSN, Addison, Quentin Johnston, Jalen Hyatt right there. 
And then I have flowers and downs tiered together. And then to go a little bit deeper, I'm looking at Mims, Tillman, and Butte. Uh, Mitch, what are your thoughts on Butte? He's dead to me. I want no slow wide receiver. Get him out of here. I'm done. Four or five. Uh, he could be on someone else's team. I'm good. Even his shuttle was was that four two five. I think he did run the shuttle too, so he didn't really compensate for the forty with like a super quick shuttle. So Mitch may be right. Yeah, and then you have the guys like uh, Xavier, Xavier Hutchinson, Parker Washington, Rasheed Rice, Jonathan Mingo. I think that's a good call out. And again, if he is somebody that catapults up draft boards in the NFL draft uh, placeholder. I'm seeing a lot of, you know, there, there's mock data and mock information, maybe fifth round. And if that's the case, I think people would be very disappointed. Oh, but again, make the adjustment if we if he sniffs day two. Uh, Nathaniel Dell, Tank, Tank Dell. I People were getting excited about the kid. And now he comes in. He runs a 449 at 165 pounds. That's a Dan time right there. What was that again? I that was four, your time. Four, nine, but mm-hmm. he's 168 pounds. Yeah, I wasn't quite four. I was no four. four I was four five nine. <laughs> four five seven. Like I was in the four fives. I was a four five runner. So four hey, four. That, but the, that's it, all right. But like I've given up on those lightweight wide receivers in the National Football League. It's just not only the durability thing, but they're expected to block. And that's what I'm realizing is like the biggest issue translating to the NFL. You really have to be the exception of the rule. I don't know. You can't block at 165. All right. So uh, just from a value perspective, again, we're talking about the draft picks themselves, not specifically the players. I think JSN, he bolstered that 105 106 range in super flex drafts and then i i think because of guys like flowers uh hyatt depending on how things shake out for the running backs we're going to see that elevation in end of the first early second um downs being talked about somebody that a lot of people loved and now i think we could see him in that kind of 201 202 range so still still a good prospect and it's Mitch, you've talked about it how many times we go through these, these ebbs and flows of values with these rookie picks throughout each and every calendar month throughout the year. And we're at that point now, early March, we're going to start to see that uptick in these rookie picks. And with a lot of the guys, it's, it's uh, going to help elevate the, the picks, you know? After I was to say after after the big four, like I'm going to continue to be looking at their pro days, trying to dive into more film of these wide receivers. You know, I agree on takes like guys that just kind of stood out a little bit more, and I'm looking forward to diving in maybe first. You know, what is the Jonathan Mingo as Mitch said based on what he did today? Marvin Mims intrigues me. That kid out of Princeton kind of like passed the eye test there. Andre Losivas. Hopefully, I put, didn't mangle that, but he had the four four three forty. He ran a 4-1-2 shuttle, which is super quick. I'm watching the Princeton Post talking about how he caught everything in, in, in college. So I really want to watch and learn a little bit more about him. And then on the negative side out of Virginia, that Dontavian Wicks with a 4-6-2-40. Ouch. That's slow. Yeah, like I said, when I had my placeholders, I did not have Wicks at a 4-6-2. One name that really pops off for me in, in going through all my threshold scoring and I don't believe he's going to get the draft capital, but Trey Palmer transferring to Nebraska. Let me just go through some, some of his numbers early declare reception market share, max 35%, which is 91st percentile receiving yard market share, max 90th percentile receiving yards per team pass attempt, 91st percentile max. Uh, And then we're getting, College dominator, 46%. Breakout age, 21, a little bit older. 4-3-3-40. He flew. He flew. So he checks all of those boxes for me. And this is like my uh, Mitch with your Jonathan Mingo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, Mingo, he scored very well. Like from a scoring perspective, 
across the board, not just combine related, but production and, and collegiate profile. This is pre-draft, not just just the numbers going into it. Addison, Trey Palmer, JSN, Quentin Johnson, Jalen Hyatt, Jonathan Mingo, Marvin Mims, Cedric Tillman, Josh Downs. Um, so the Mingo is right up there as well. If any of these guys happen to surprise and get some some intriguing draft capital, it's it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. Uh yeah, Dan, Dan's busting out Ivy League knowledge. I like it. I like it. <laughs> we had the question there in the chat, so I was able to put that name out there. But that's what's fun. You know, you know, if you're drafting before the NFL draft. Hey, some guys are standing out a little bit. We're going to have teams that have third and fourth round picks and you're wondering who to take a flyer on. So this information is very helpful. And then post NFL draft that these guys actually materialize. And then we like what we saw before. Now you're getting more information to uh, know where to draft them. So some good information here. And I don't want to boohoo this draft at all. It's like, Hey, there's not an elite wide receiver. It's just, there's not a Jamar chase right in this group. And that's fine because we see guys like, Amonrah St. Brown going in the fourth round and other guys like this, right? This class just doesn't have that elite headliner, but I still love, I mean, going to the mid to late second, I'm loving guys in this range still. Yeah. I, I think there's, you, you're going to have your top eight, nine, 10 guys. And then it really opens up. And we've talked about this countless times and we don't have that Jamar chase level prospect at wide receiver, but to have a solid rookie class, you don't need that. If you go through and you look at just top 24 numbers for wide receivers and what wide receiver 24 is on a per game basis. And I said, Hey, I'll trade you uh, trade in your, your Jalen Hyatt for these points per game over the next three years. You should probably take it. Yep. But a lot of people, they, they want to, to land that high end producer. And sometimes it's not in the cards and that's okay. Yeah, for sure. Good point, JB. You know, they may not be a top 10 wide receiver pick, but if one of these guys are a top 24 wide receiver, that's awesome. Even top 36, you know, that's, that's going to definitely bolster our dynasty rosters. And I think that's kind of what's killing this rookie class right now, because there were such expectations and the, the values of these picks just one off season ago. And that is still being held against these kids when, well, not, not kids, but the, the, the picks themselves. And that's why people are, like you said, Mitch poo pooing all over this class. Hey, hey, I like quarterback running back and tight end better than last year's rookie draft. Oh, love it. So this is, you know, I said the receiver might not have quite the luster, but everything else. And there's enough receiver there just to help your roster. So, well, think about it. I, and I don't want to really get off track here, but you look at a player like Brees Hall, you look at a player like Kenneth Walker, the great one, two punch from last year's rookie class at running back. But now you look at Stroud young Richardson. Is it absurd to think we see some one for one trades at some point in time over the next six months. Yep. Yep. And and am I saying it's right? No, but I'm saying we, we very well could see that depending on your roster construction. And if you're in the market for a quarterback uh, and and the league dynamic, all right, tight ends, tight ends. This is part of my French, but Oh my gosh, this is sexy. with a capital S. Uh, looking at these guys, you know, for me, hit that four, seven mark on the 40 and then everything else get in that range, uh, that's necessary when you're looking at the, the RAS, the, the relative athletic score. So for me, the overall testing is more critical for tight end than any other position, because I do put a certain weight on that relative athletic score and you want to see these, these guys hit a certain threshold in that regard. And the, the top tier guys in, in that RAS category were Zach Kuntz, Luke Musgrave, Darnell Washington, Luke Schoonmaker, and Tucker Craft. They all hit that 9.5 or above. And then uh, 
Will Mallory, Sam Laporta, Brenton Strange, they were right there underneath. The only one that really uh, was a crippling performance was Payne Durham uh, at that 5.8. <laughs> you did get a DM from him today, so that's pretty I good. Did. Oh, that's I priceless. Listen, listen, I took a nap. I was able to take a nap today. Uh, woke up early with the kids. We were beat. Uh, I had a tweet yesterday or earlier today, and it said uh, the reports out of Indianapolis, Peyton or Peyton, Payne Durham finally finished his 40 from yesterday. And I wake up to a DM from Payne Durham. And it says like, like, like uh funny tweet, like great content and with a laughing face. And I like, but like, you know, it's a playful jab. Uh, but I, I replied back and I was like, you know, mad respect, uh, best of luck throughout the draft process. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, so definitely Payne Durham, Google it, uh, looks up his, his name on Twitter and then, and then reaches out to people. But I, I like that. Uh, okay. So tight ends, Dan, like you said, this is, it, it's one of the best classes we've seen probably from a prospect standpoint. And in a lot of the leagues we take part in, two PPR for tight end, it, it's going to bolster those second round picks, right? Just like we've been talking about. So who really stands out to you? How do you th- see this class as a whole? Yeah, it's a, it's a position that really needs an influx of fantasy uh, help here. And, and hopefully I think we're, we're getting it right now. So my number one tight on the board, uh, unfortunately didn't work out today. And that's Dalton Kincaid. I, I just think he is the going to be the dynasty darling. And Mitch, how could you be shrugging your Utah? You man, this is your hometown. I, know. I, know. I, can't, I can't wait to hear what you think when, when, when you, I just can't wait. Cause I really thought you'd be high on this guy, but, but I just, I love him. I'm based on film. And I think once he gets healthy, he'd put up measurables that would make us happy today. I do like v- Michael Meyer, uh, mayor of a lot at tight end for a dynasty, but, 249 it's a little light in the butt for me there and then a you know a 4740 didn't quite wow me and it just put him in the class of like good dynasty tight ends that are going to get open and and it just i wish i, I want a little bit more darnell washington out of georgia gb I, I need you to do homework when you get time and, and compare him to jelani woods for me because i love jelani i liked him last year i love him this year and they just fit in that freak athlete category like that just they're not you know not human and kind of because at 6'7 264 you're 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 like a lineman blocking he took off some weight so he's working his tail off so i'm seeing work ethic he runs a 46440 and then at 264 pounds guys he ran a 408 shuttle run that is wide receiver shuttle run with a guy that blocks like a lineman and is running like a like i just can't get over all that Put up the bench 21 times, which is solid. Um, I'm highly intrigued in Darnell Washington. Um, Tucker Craft, I thought, is, is really another Really quick, one. Dan. Really quick. Yeah. Uh, the Jelani comparison, obviously there's a lot of things that stand out that make sense to, to compare them. And I, it's a great comparison. I have them in the same bucket from a pre-draft score with a lot of the boxes they check. It's just it, – it's a it's – a, it's going to be a constant battle throughout this off season of for Darnell Washington, collegiate production versus athletic profile. And I just, I, I mean, I'm trying to get past it, but once I plug the numbers in here, I, I let, I let the, the spreadsheet take it away. Okay. And I can't get past it. I mean, I'm a, as a Georgia fan watching those games, I mean, one thing that maybe production-wise was tough for him is there's Brock Bauer. I mean, that guy is just – I can't wait for next year uh, to, to be talking about him. So I think by default, as a receiving tight end, he was tight end number two. But so many times he made big catches for Georgia. And I, I think when we talk about you know going to the National Football League, we look for traits. And I'm thinking, boy – I would salivate as a coach knowing I could plug him into my roster. I don't have to take him off the field when we got a block because I want him in there blocking. And I know he is athletic and fast enough and tall enough to run the seam. Um, He could do some things that I think are going to help. And now, again, I'm not talking we're looking for the next Kyle Pitts here, even though that's a bad example based on performance. But, I mean, let's look at the tight end position and be realistic. If he produces enough to get in that – you know, 12 to 24 range, you got a guy that's going to have a role on our rosters. Um, 
So, again, Kincaid is one where I look to see potentially he could push for the upper echelon guys. But Tyler Kraft's good. Luke Musgrave, I mean, I would have liked to see him perform a couple more things today. I don't know why he was too good to bench and run a shuttle. Um, so that, that may have put Tucker Kraft a little bit ahead of him for me. You mentioned Koontz, and I think you mentioned Laporta out of Iowa. We know Iowa produces those tight ends. Yeah, Laporta, uh, comment in the chat from uh, John, uh, being a tight end sleeper, uh, people need to wake up because I think he's going to – he has the profile I like. Uh, came in, ran a four five nine, puts up uh, over 9 relative athletic score. So not quite to the Darnell Washington level, but still super athletic. We, we saw the collegiate production. And then the biggest riser for me out of the entire group is Zach Kuntz. Out of Old Dominion, transferred from Penn State, not much production at all his first two years there. But he's another one that, you know, you look at what they did on the field while they were in college. Michael Mayer, Sam Laporta, Dalton Kincaid, they, they check a lot of boxes. Tucker Craft, uh, and then you kind of get into the, the traits and Zach Kuntz and Darnell Washington. So this there, there's the possibility for a lot of really nice high-end depth. And, Dan, you mentioned Luke Musgrave. Comparatively speaking, he didn't really fall for me, but comparatively speaking, he kind of stayed in place, and some of these other guys jumped him. Yep. Right? 100%. Uh, Mitch, Michael Mayer, he's going to be a topic of conversation up through rookie drafts. 2PPR, you and I have had some conversations. I think you're taking him a little bit earlier than I am. Mm -hmm. Has the combine changed that at all? And can you reiterate where you are willing to take him in 12-team Superflex 2PPR for tight ends? Yeah, 2PPR, he's 110-111 for me because I think he's still the most complete tight end in this class. You know, I've seen... I love Dalton Kincaid, right? I love the Utes. I watch all their games. I try to go to at least one game each season, and I love him. But I see this prototype come into the NFL a lot. We see it with Mike Gesicki. We see it with Eric Ebron. Everyone's like, it's okay. He's the pass-catching tight end. It's okay. This team is going to know how to use him. How many of those guys end up working out? We Sure, we could say, he's Zach Ertz. Okay. But how many Zach Ertz are really out there to where I could point to a lot more first, early, second round tight ends who are this prototype who end up getting moved off their original teams. And if you look at good tight ends, the NFL, they never leave their teams like good tight ends just don't leave their teams. And Gesicki's going to be gone. Ebron's going to be gone. I mean, he's already out of the NFL pretty much. Right. But this is kind of what we see with that Dalton Kincaid type of prospect. So for me. I love Mayer. I think he's going to be on the field from day one, Pat Firemuth type of guy to where you just know he's going to be on the field. And that's what I want in my tight ends. I don't want a tight end that's going to be running routes on 40% of routes, right? I don't want that. And that could easily happen with a guy with Kincaid, especially as a rookie. And, you know, we've always in previous years, we've said, don't get the rook the tight ends in the rookie draft. Wait for one year because they never work out, right? I think Kincaid could be that kind of guy to where we end up spending too much on him in the 23 draft, and you could get him for a little bit less than the 24 draft. This isn't saying he's not going to be good in the NFL. I'm just thinking price-wise, how he could be used. Give me Mayer every day of the week. You know who I'm going through and I'm looking at uh, measurements, college production, athletic abilities, and you weren't even talking about this guy, but it stood out to me. Zach Kuntz, a lot of similarities uh, from a profile standpoint to OJ Howard. Oh, man. Howard, Howard had like one good, his rookie year was pretty good in the NFL, wasn't it? The end result was not great, but still, OJ Howard, what, first round mm -hmm. NFL pick uh, coming out of Alabama. Yeah, but, only difference is Alabama and Old Dominion. That's probably the the, the big part. <laughs> but they they fall into the same buckets in receiving yards per team pass attempt, both average and max. Uh, college dominator, forty time height adjusted speed score, uh, general size. So it, you know, it, and when people throw out comps, everybody wants to throw out okay. This is the, the, the high-end ceiling. And I like to get into it a little bit. I'll do it just for fun. Kind of high-end ceiling based on profile. 
uh, middle range, and then a, a, a floor. I almost said low end ceiling. That's called a floor, John. Uh, but you know, j- just to kind of get into it a little bit based on the profile. But again, like it's, I can't even say it's not an exact science. It's not really much of a science at all. So, uh, Ronald says, son of author Dean Kuntz. Uh, listen, I'm trying to be very careful with his last name pronunciation. You're doing very well with it. I would not have done that well, to be honest with you. I was glad you covered it for us tonight. Good job. Yeah, tr- not to, not to, uh, it's low hanging fruit, right? There, there's easy jokes there, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna rise above. Okay. Uh, so again, we're going through here and we're talking about six tight ends. And honestly, mm-hmm. Mitch, the Michael Mayer value that you just mentioned, we're not that far off then. Yeah, because right around one one ten to one twelve, I have them there. Uh, any anything else on tight ends before we hit the the, the grand one? finale? What was that? The fun one. I love I, talking I wanted, about I, running backs, man. They're just fun. I wanted, I wanted to save it for the end. And of course, you they save it for the final. Uh, testing that they show on the nfl network they don't want to end with the offensive linemen they think a lot of people turn it off and you know what they're not wrong all right running running back so a few guys that just uh before we throw it over to dan and, and get some thoughts a few guys that did not run the 40 that i have placeholders for there were a lot of them there were a lot sean tucker kendra miller ty j spears lou nichols uh, Deuce Vaughn, Zach Evans, Chris Rodriguez, Travis Dye, Izzy Abanacanda, Dwayne McBride, Eric Gray, Mo Ibrahim, uh, and a few other guys, Jordan Mim, Sean Shivers. But there were a lot of names there. And we talked about this. If if you're a little dinged up, if you have a hamstring injury, why risk it? Because you, you literally have millions of dollars in the line here when we're talking about this. So I don't blame them. But Dan, what are your thoughts here on this running back class? We're already seeing some folks tweet some uh, commentary about, oh, this is the class that was supposed to have so much depth and they have little comments. It's like, okay. Yeah. The, the, the running back information, as both of you are, I'm just ecstatic to start getting in some numbers information because it's like the most important almost. We need to know what these running backs 40 times are. It's so critical. And, you know, when we were talking wide receivers, I, I – Kind of thought it was interesting that, you know, you mentioned, you know, you look forward to hearing what I said about receivers because I played the position. But in Dynasty, over the last few years, one thing I'm noticing is I think I evaluate running backs better than I evaluate wide receivers. And I think it's because when I coached at Lackawanna College, that's the position I coached. And I watched, like, so much running back film to nauseam. Um, so with that being said, I'm excited again this year. I'm looking for more information. I'm a little bummed that as of the you know this point in the show here that when I go on uh, you know the NFL combine numbers I see no shuttle runs, no bench presses. So I don't know if they're just not running them, it's real late or what the story is there because I really really need that information. But for the show purposes, based on uh, what we saw today, the numbers we had at the 40s, I'd first say overall I'm excited because it, it, like I'm a little scarred from last year when when JB and I liked it was a Kyron Williams Kyron and Williams. Like that that death 40 and i think we got that time like after a mock draft or so i don't know so somehow jb and i hyped him up so much and it was like such a letdown so i don't think we had that this year um maybe a little disappointed in my georgia boy kenny mcintosh with his 462 um that that was a little disappointing just being a georgia fan um but man Bijan, no disappointment at 447 so stoked uh jameer gibbs 436 God, no disappointment. So stoked. Um, Devon A. Chain, 4-3-2. You can't ask for anything more. He's as blazing fast as we thought. Um, a guy that I'm really liking that's like after these three, my next running back as of today is, is Zach Charbonnet. And he was 4-5-4, which I'm not disappointed in. I, I think it's like, would I like it a little bit more? Sure. And that's where I'm like, can I please see a shuttle run? You know, can I, you know, how strong is he? I think he's a little bit more of a long strider. So just the way he's built, that four, five, four kind of makes sense to me. Came down um, to a four, five, three. Came down to a four, five, three. I'll take the 10th. I'll take the 10th. So I, I really like him as a running back. And then, you know, JP, you mentioned there was just a lot of guys that didn't give us times, like in that kind of middle range. So I would like to see, <laughs> I have a lot of questions. I'm left with a lot of 
questions. You know, Mitch and I both talk about Sean Tucker. He got Mitch got my attention uh, to towards him. So I was really looking forward to see that. And unfortunately, we, we did not. Yeah, Tucker's 40 times shouldn't really be too much of a concern. I, I thought he was going to run today. I, I wasn't sure if the report came out prior and I just missed it. But then I'm like, okay, he didn't run. But the measurements, 5'9", but 207. So he kind of bumped up in that BIM threshold that I was talking about. But then it's like, same thing I talked about with Bryce Young. Again, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Did he get that bump up and did he bulk up because, hey, I'm not going to run. So let's get let's get my weight up here and then let's show off my speed, which we know he can run uh, at my pro day. So yeah, you guys didn't mention my guy that I, I mentioned last week, Dan. Keaton Mitchell. What was that time? I loved it. Yeah. Blazing 438. I'm so excited for him. I've actually moved him up quite a bit. That's, and you, that's another one. Uh, you're you're a tenth off. They bumped that to a four three seven. Look at you with the ultra official times here, and you definitely brought him to my attention, like Mitch did Tucker, because um, I didn't even think he was on my list. And I started to watch a little bit of film, and he, he's a small guy, JB. You know that concerns yes. me a little bit. He's a small guy, but who does not want a guy that can run four three seven on on your football team? So we'll we'll see how he uh, how he evolves and how teams picture him in the NFL. <laughs> The only guys that really disappointed compared to expectations and not even necessarily like just when you look at the thresholds, uh, disappointment, but Roshan Johnson, his time was expected to be much better than that four five eight. You mentioned Kenny McIntosh tank didn't really test well, but he wasn't expected to necessarily, uh, Charbonnet a little bit slower, but still like he's a big dude. That four five three, not really an issue. Tyon Evans, Evan Hall, kind of exceeded expectations. Bijan was fine. Chase Brown was good. It was a fast time. Keaton Gibbs, a chain, great. Um, so I don't know that there's anything really as fun as the running backs are to talk about. I don't know that there's anything that really changed things up for me. If anything. Maybe you get Zach Charbonnet a little bit cheaper than you did before, just because the people were expecting better. But again, four, five, three, one hundred one speed score, no issue. Uh, and then I think Gibbs separated himself as the the running back too, because there was already conversation oh, yeah. about what was that, Mitch? I completely agree. Yeah, there was already conversation though. Well, maybe we could side this guy in a running back too. But I think Gibbs is stood out, came in a buck ninety-nine, just under two hundred pounds. But again, I had him as as the placeholder there at two oh one. But he was a little shorter than expected. So a little lighter, a little smaller, BMI still kind of in that same bucket. Yeah, with so really quick on A chain and Mitchell. With A-Chain, I really think he's going to end up being the running back three because I think there's going to be a team in the NFL that falls in love with him that ends up just he's going to go in the second round like John's yep. pointing up his fingers right there. And we're going to get that. And so if you have any startup drafts or rookie drafts that happen before the actual NFL draft, Devin A-Chain should be your running back three off the board because he's the one that you could trust. Keaton Mitchell, well, I love him. Well, John brings him up. Right now, he's like my running back five, but I actually don't know if I could take him anywhere close to five. that. Five? No, cha- no, first no. challenge flag of the show tonight. I, I love it, but take him. You, you don't have to take him there. But here's the thing. who You guys keep bringing up Charbonnet. I'm not even sure Charbonnet's going to go in the first three rounds. He's going to go a dies. lot higher than keaton mitchell he could he could but i look man this goes back to the elijah mitchell thing we brought it i brought up elijah mitchell the same point when he was coming out and you both said the exact same thing just teams love these speedsters and a guy like charbonnet as much as hey we watch his college tape and oh man does he look good and the process last year oh man we talked about him before he went back to school there's a chance to where the NFL just doesn't like him as much. So my point is, is like in the pre-NFL draft stuff, just be careful with Sharp. Be careful with Tucker. 
Be careful with anyone around there. Just let someone else take them. But A-Chain, 100% running back three in those drafts. Agree with the, with the, the running back three with A-Chain based on everything. But just Charbonnet, Tucker, you watch their film. Charbonnet's kind of like in a David Montgomery class to me. You know, when you see that 40 time, Monty wasn't a, wasn't a blazer by, by any chance. He's been a heck of an NFL running back and a good dynasty player. You know, there's been some Bears issues and whatnot. Um, I think Charbonnet falls right in, in that tier. And I think Gibbs today, as you mentioned, separating two to three. I don't know if it's so much a separator from two to three for me because I had him a bit higher. But now he's starting to bump ahead of some dynasty guys that I would have drafted, some, you know, second, third-year running backs. Um, Gibbs is very attractive. Like we, we talked about, I think the takeaway here from the combine is the way it's going to impact the market value of – the not necessarily the 101 because that's already absurdly priced but 102 103 104 105 probably 106 and then once we get into the the second round that's going to be the big change because right now as i look at my tiers and i I look at the market inefficiencies i have uh what 201 204 205 206 207 208, 209, 10, all as buys based on their current value, where they're going in trades and and uh, startups we've seen. And even 111 and 112, I have those as buys as well. So for me, I'm, I'm loving what we're seeing through that 208, 209, 210 range. I think this, this combine, it restored some hype that was necessary for people that really invested heavily in this class. And I look across my dynasty portfolio. I have a lot of teams where I'm looking at 10, 11, 12 draft picks through two rounds. And I'm like sitting here, my, my, my fingernails are, are gnawed down to the bone. Okay. Uh, getting worried here with the, the changing market values and the the anti hype, if you will. So it was it was very fun to see the combine. Like I said, I was glued to the TV and my my laptop, going through the sheets, getting updates in as quickly as possible throughout the entire weekend. Once we hit the offensive skill players, so it was it was a fun weekend. It was awesome. I will say, like the first half today sucked. Like it was awful. I was waiting for the running backs all day, and it was like offensive linemen, like doing weird drills. I don't even know how they make any sense, to be honest. I look, they're laying on the ground, taking <laughs> you know, a nap. Right? <laughs> what are these drills? And of, of course, and, and I'm sitting on the couch eating, no joke, eating my, my bowl of buffalo chicken dip for breakfast this morning, thinking about these guys. I'm like, oh, this guy ran this. And I'm like, I like looked out at my stomach and I'm like, yeah, I'll continue to criticize. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even though they're the engine that makes fantasy football truly go, because without those uh, big hog mollies blocking, you know, it doesn't matter how fast these guys are. Right, right. All right, so before we move on to the final thoughts, anything else, uh, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, uh, what do you got, guys? Free agency next week. That's what I'm hyped up now. Let's now we got, go. We got this done. Now it's the next step in the process, right? We're getting the franchise tags. I think they're – deadlines this week right tuesday i think i think it's yeah. tuesday and then we have free agency starting next sunday so it's it's gonna be awesome yeah and i just want to get locked in on every score today there are going to be some impressive guys that i think mitch made a great point pro day times are going to be faster and it is a controlled environment but there are some guys that are just strategically they're going to put up great times because they are great athletes they're just waiting to get in optimal shape making sure they're healthy you know that they just come came off a season uh, you know, focusing on their college grades, whatnot, but there's going to be some, some gems that are still coming out. Okay. All right. Final I like it. Thoughts. I like it. Final thoughts. Dan, what do you got? 194th time. We're, we're gearing up here towards episode 200, the NFL draft free agency. It is an exciting time for the dynasty theory family here. It is, man. You, you had us blend in our final thoughts today for, I think both Mitch and I, but March Madness, you know, we think it's the NCAA tournament, but it's really dynasty fantasy football between the franchise tags coming up, starting the seventh pro days, start the seventh teams begin their official visits, March 7th through April 19th. So it'd be interesting to follow where, you know, what players everybody's seeing, what positions they're looking to, you know, to draft. 
the ta- legal tampering p- period starts the middle of March, and then the official start of the league year, March 15th. So I just think a lot's going to happen, a lot to be excited. The combine was a great start to kick it all off. Mitch, what do you got? Just be willing to accept change. I mean, that's the biggest thing right now. Like anyone who listened to me, it was half joking that I said it, but I was like, hey, Jameer Gibbs is like a souped up James White, right? But it's just like when we actually see the prospects on the field, we'll end up seeing the draft capital that ends up coming out. Be willing to change. Don't just stick to your priors because you see it so many times in Dynasty. People are like, Lamar Jackson's a running back. Uh, They say it like five years into his career. Like it just, Half of it gets old after a while, but it makes you like a significantly worse dynasty player if you can't actually just adjust and move off of what you said prior. Final thought for me, it's rare, but I do have one. Make sure when you're going through all of your combine review, we're not double counting. There's a lot of things that happened that were kind of the expectation. So if you had your value of a player, or where they're falling with your rookie picks and how you compare those rookie picks to veterans, make sure that you're only adjusting based off of new information. Maybe not new information, but different than your expectation as well. That should be your baseline, and that's when you should adjust. This was a fun episode. Uh, Kicking it out on the Dynasty Theory Patreon. We were live and then on Tuesday, this will hit the podcast feed for for everybody else to enjoy. For Mitch Sorensen, Dan LaMagna, I'm John Bauer. Have a great week. We'll catch everybody next week. Peace.